Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Mark Kessler, who, like myself, is a longtime Muhammad resident. Uh, we go back, uh, what, over 60 years, I think. So it's uh, it's been a while for each of us in this community. Mark, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Well, I know over the years you've, you've done a lot of different things. You've been a businessman, a banker, an entrepreneur, uh, also a teacher at Parkland. I guess I'll start with uh, back when you were in high school, what did you see yourself doing? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I think today most students have an idea of what they'd like to get into. Uh, of course, I uh, was born and raised on a farm, and so the farming industry was certainly in the back of my mind, but uh, I was the fourth of a family of, of four children, and uh, uh, I was the one that went to college, and I don't, I don't think there was uh, a choice, which, but that was fine. I was glad that I was able to do it with the University of Illinois and uh, uh, was an ag major, finance, ag finance major. And uh, I took a job. My first job was actually with a company called Production Credit. Today's now Farm Credit. And so I, I really kind of uh, decided on the banking industry. And so that's kind of through college, kind of thought that that's what I would probably do. So then along the, the way, you just kind of changed your course a few times, didn't you? And I changed the course a few times. I had a early on, I had a chance, uh, actually about two years when I started with production credit, I had a friend of mine that owned a, a property in uh, on campus town in, in uh, Champaign. And uh, we started a bar restaurant. I knew nothing about bar restaurant, but I thought it was kind of a fun uh, adventure. And we started a bar called O'Malley's. And uh, there was actually a song written about that, not about our bar, but a bar called O'Malley's. And uh, you still might hear it today in the oldies, but goodies station. But we did that for about five years. And uh, uh, I got into, but it was a great le learning uh, experience. But in between the time we started O'Malley's to the time that we sold, I had two children and my wife and I had two children and uh, just kind of recognize it's probably not the lifestyle we personally wanted to to live, although there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just uh, not what we wanted. And so I got into uh, sales and and uh, with a, a really good friend of mine who you would know, Rod Carlson from Muhammad for many, many years. Sure. And uh, from there, we started Subway. And that's really where kind of the 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 opportunity of a, of a getting introduced to an entrepreneurship and and running your own business and hiring and training and all that started with O'Malley's and certainly came in handy then a few years later when we started uh, uh, actually the first subway store in Muhammad and and proud to say a lot of uh, uh, small town stores in Central Illinois so that's kind of where I got from uh, at least that part of my life. You know, I'll go back a second to the uh, to the farming background, and you know, like you, I, I grew up on a farm, and I have to tell you a quick story. Um, I might have been interested in, in farming for a career, and if I'd had ESP uh, and knew what the future was going to hold, I might have, but the one thing that persuaded me was I absolutely hated walking beans, and that was my yeah. job every summer, and I couldn't see how that was ever going to change, because I said, well, I'm a farmer, you know, I'm going to have to walk beans. And I, I just, I don't want to do that. I, I hated it. And uh, so that was the, the determining factor for me, that one single thing. And then, you know, over the years, uh, you know, they, they, with all the, the pesticides and drilling beans and things like that, uh, uh, you don't even hear of, of people walking beans anymore. But of course, back in the early 1970s, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. No, I can understand that and putting up hay. 
those were probably my two two least favorite things to do on the farm. Well, hay didn't bother me so much because that was just a couple times a year and, and just yeah. for period, you know three or four days. Whereas the, the the bean walking, it seemed to me like by you know the, the middle of June until the time we went back to school, that was pretty much an everyday thing for me. So that was. <laughs> that affected my decision. Hey, yep. before we go on with some of the other things, I want to talk a little bit about the, the Muhammad that we knew as kids growing up and the Muhammad that exists now. And I think of the Muhammad that we knew, we had a bowling alley, uh, we had a lake of the woods where you could go swimming, where you had a slide. Um, we had a couple uh, little, what I would call uh, diners in, in like Wagers Cafe and, and mm -hmm. Cafe in the, in the gas station. And, and most of those things have gone away now. I mean, there, there is no bowling alley. There is no swimming at the Lake of the Woods. I guess you can still do the, uh, the, the little boats and get out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's, there's nicer restaurants that we certainly didn't have as kids, you know, like, you know, ATs and Project 47 right. and so on. Uh, but other than the hen house, there's really, well, I guess the family garden, there, there's really not a lot of the little sit-down diners like we had. So, I mean, it, it's changed over the years, but... Uh, yeah. You know, in, in some ways, I, I don't know if it's if it's better or not. I mean, certainly population sign, I think, said 1300 when I was a senior in high school. Yeah, there was actually I don't know if you caught it. I think it was over the weekend. News Gazette ran a population uh, from 1970 to Kurt Rell till uh, 2020, the census. And Muhammad, I believe, was around 1200 population in 1970. So we would have just been starting high school. I think you would have been what, maybe 70, 71, I was 72, something like that, starting high school. And now, obviously, we know that the census is just a little under 10,000, but we know uh, a two to three mile radius outside of the village, you're talking 15 to 17,000 people. So yes, we it's it's grown. Um, downtown Muhammad doesn't, doesn't look all that different. Uh, back, uh, if you remember uh, Yards, was it Yards? Uh, uh, what was it? instead of the Ace Hardware, Yars Hardware Store, and we had two grocery stores back then, and and but not a lot has changed. The buildings are basically uh, you know, kind of work repaired and all that looks better. But uh, but just as the surrounding, you know, who would have known? You know, we would have uh, been from a high school that is now what over a thousand, approaching twelve thousand or or twelve twelve hundred students in the high school, so. There's always, you know, there's always some good and then there's always some challenges. I think uh, certainly when you see the uh, certainly in the explosion, you know, back in those days, Fisher and Muhammad were very much competitors and towns were not all that different in size. And obviously uh, that's that's changed quite a bit over the last, what, 50 years or so. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh uh, it is what it is. And so you just ad adapt to it and uh, move on and, and look at the, the positives and the opportunities, I suppose. So, yeah. When, and when you talk about Fish and Muhammad, I mean, really the only difference in them, you know, from, from back then to now is, is the, the location Muhammad is to Champaign-Urbana. I mean, Fish is a little bit further, but then if, if that's the factor, I mean, you look at Mansfield, which is six miles down the road from us, and, and it hasn't had that explosion of, of population. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's still kind of a mystery to me. Same thing with Farmer City, you know, it's uh, you know, not all that much different. And, and uh, they had a bowling alley and we thought that was a big, big school back in the day. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, I think our proximity to Champaign certainly, and obviously the school systems have always been top notch. And I think that's always been a drawing card for local community as well, so. 
Absolutely. So you recently retired from teaching at Parkland College Business and Courses uh, after 20 years. Uh, talk a little bit about how that opportunity came about and, and uh, what you enjoyed about that. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, the original uh, story would be uh, I owned and operated the subway stores in this in the central Illinois area for 17 years, had an opportunity to sell, which was not really looking to do, but uh, just an opportunity. I kind of felt uh, uh, it was either sell now or probably do subway for the rest of my life, or at least my career, working career. And uh, the opportunity, I just decided to sell. And so Fred, for about a year, year and a half, I was uh, kind of looking for what was next, what was next in my life. I was probably, oh, would have been just uh, early 40s, I suppose. And uh, we, my, my wife, Tammy, had taught at Parkland and she had re she's retired now from, from about four years in Parkland and taught at Muhammad Seymour for 11 and I think at Parkland for 21 years before she retired. And we uh, had uh, gained a lot of friendship during that time. And, and uh, one of the business instructors was leaving town for something and couldn't find a sub and knew that I really wasn't doing, doing anything at that particular point and, and just called and said, Hey, if I get everything, if I do the lesson plan, would you come in and sit with the class? And sure. Uh, did that. And just that first time subbing did it for me. I just loved it. And of course, my opportunity in business for many, many years uh, was training employees and doing things like that. And so education, I kind of took as a part of kind of training students instead of employees. And and so any anyway, I enjoyed it so much. One thing led to another. And a local guy in Muhammad, you know, uh, Bruce Hendrickson was the department chair at Parkland uh, for business at that time. And knowing my that I was kind of in between career opportunities suggested that I come on to Parkland staff and teach part-time. And so that's what I did for about four years. And one class led to two and two led to three, three led to four. And then if you, uh, you could not teach any more than four classes without being considered full-time. And so there was just a, an opportunity at that point, one of the uh, uh, professors, business professors retired and I thought after the four years of doing that, and I had developed a few other opportunities on the side, but nothing that was going to be a career for me. And uh, I, uh, I thought this would be a great, great career for my, my, my second, third, or fourth career that I guess that I've had in my life, but knew that this would probably be probably my last. The only challenge, and it was a big challenge, Fred, was Bruce uh, had said, you know, if you teach uh, full time, you got to have a master's degree at Parkland. I did not have a master's degree. I graduated at uh, from Illinois in 79. Now we're talking mid 40s. And uh, so you can do the math, you know, number of years later. And I, oh, I thought uh, that was maybe maybe part time was just going to be it for me. But there was a program through Eastern Illinois that a lot of the classes were actually taught on Parkland's campus. And so I signed up and uh, ended up uh, really enjoying the master's program much more than I did what I remembered, at least through the uh, four years at Illinois as an undergrad. And uh, there were actually uh, probably two or three uh, teachers that were full, that were trying to be full-time at the same time uh, teaching at Parkland. And so we had those similar classes and just thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, so I got done with the master's program and started teaching the spring of 2003 full-time and 
20 years later, here I am. So yeah, I've actually been retired. What June 7th is today. So I've actually been retired for seven days. <laughs> officially. <laughs> Not I don't feel any different. I think I will come August when uh, I don't have to do the roster or the lesson plan and, and go back to the first day of class, obviously at Parkland. But uh, uh, my wife and I spent uh, to combined over 50 years in education and and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity of meeting so many students. And it's a little different from high school, certainly uh, at Parkland. Uh, you're getting not only the transition of high school to uh, a two-year or eventually a four-year program, but you're also getting 50-year-old students that have raised two or three children and they went to college and life kind of happened for them. And, uh, you know, they get to be 50 years old and said, I'm going, I'm going to go get my associate's degree. I'm going back to college. So it was just so fun having a 18 year old sitting next to a 50 year old. And I, I, I would, how I would compare that would be that the 50 year old would tell the 18 year old about life and its challenges and work experience. And then the 18 year old would tell the 50 year old how to get online. So it was kind of a good, a good mix of, uh, certainly student and, and certainly communication. So, yes. So that's well, how it happened. I, I would think one of the interesting things too for you would be the fact that I guess if you want to call it the traditional path into education is you go to college and, you know, you take the classes and, and, you know, you do the student teaching and become a teacher. Whereas for you, you had the work experience. So I, I would think even though maybe you didn't have the teaching background when you first started, you, you had the practical experience. And I would think that would in some ways be almost as valuable. Did you see it that I, way? Well, I did. I did. And of course, I'm a little biased when I say that. But, uh, you know, I signed a paycheck for employees for about 25 years. And so uh, you understand, uh, especially in business, uh, balance sheet, profit and loss, and particularly cash flow, because you didn't want one of your employees to go cash the check. And uh, the bank would say, you know, uh, insufficient funds. And so, Yes, when you came came to teaching business, I felt that uh, if you're trying to teach business, you probably need to sign a paycheck, and that's you know that's just me. I I know that a lot of uh, teachers that have been lifelong teachers that have, have done an excellent job, but I always told our students, I said uh, every beginning of every class, I said I'm going to use about sixty to seventy percent of the textbook because very well written and it was a great way to you know flow through the class but about 30 to 40 percent of the class we're going to talk about life and we're going to talk about what really happens in the workplace and how you need to set uh you know the the values in your mission statement and what kind of uh, atmosphere and and things that you need to to develop into a su successful business and it's just not all profit you know, I mean, profit is not a dirty word. You know, you need, obviously, if you don't have, if you're not profitable, you don't have a business. I mean, it's simple as that. You, I know you and your wife are running a business. And I think you can uh, uh, say that uh, if you can't make a profit, regardless of how good your values and all that, but the two tie certainly together, no question. And, and I think that's probably where sometimes the textbooks didn't get into that what really happens and how do you sometimes have to exit from an employee that's not working out and just the struggles, especially today, uh, trying to find that 
that special employee that is going to do you know, uh, you know what you would ask them to do and do it to their best ability. And then they, you need to reward that employee as well. And, and how you, you retain um, these employees because in the subway business, it was very high. That was just the industry, any kind of fast food, uh, quick service restaurants. One of the challenges is there's always such a, a high turnover because the overwhelmingly majority are not going to make this a career path. Some do, you know, and those are usually your managers, but your day-to-day -day workers, you're replacing them every six months, it seems like. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure the textbooks always cover that. They, they covered the basics, which was very, very important. But I think you, I think you needed somebody that's been there. To, so a long answer to your question is, yes, I felt, always felt experience was, was uh, more of an asset for me than it was going back and getting my master's. But uh, that's what was required. That was the job specification. And, and so you did it. So yeah, that's, that's the way I would feel. Talk, talk about getting to feel comfortable in the classroom when, when you first got started, because I would think that would be the one thing that the teachers had gone through college would have had, they would have had the student teacher experience that would have had a teacher there working with them if they had questions or didn't understand or just having a bad day. Whereas you were just kind of throwing in on your own there uh, <laughs> in the situation. So talk a little bit about that transition. Sure. I would compare that to so many people that start the my first year or even two compared to and, and, and saying this very humbly, but my last, you know, several years, not even close. And I'm going to guess, Fred, that the first year or two that you were, you were a writer and covering all the games that you did for all those years, I'm going to guess you were a much better writer towards the middle and end of your career than you were those first two. And so I just took it as a learning experience. So one of the advantages I did have was running Subway. And we had six locations uh, around the area. And uh, so we would have employee meetings at least once a month with all the employees, usually Saturday mornings. And and uh, so that was an opportunity that I was able to get up in front of the employees. And, and of course there, you know, you're running a business. And so it's not like, you know, I guess you are teaching the employees, you know, the, the value of customer service and, you know, all those kind of things. But, you know, you're really, you're kind of dialed in because as I mentioned earlier, you, you need to turn a profit. Whereas with the college, uh, it was a little different. One, one of the advantages though is, I mean, I certainly cared uh, that the students would attend class. I mean, I, early on, I would say probably up through COVID, 10% uh, of your grade was attendance. I mean, you got to show up. And uh, we always said the three keys of any successful employee is show up on time and be ready to go. It's pretty simple. But why doesn't employees do that? You know, I mean, there could be some other factors outside of the workplace, but you know, it's pretty simple. And so, uh, you know, the, I guess the point is when employee at Subway didn't show up, either the manager or I as the general manager, we had to find a sub. I mean, you, you, you just had to, had to have employees. Whereas I can remember the, telling my wife when I came home, I said, yes, there was a couple of students that weren't there today, but, you know, we still had class. We still went on. So I didn't have to call in for a sub. Uh, for a student to, to take notes or something like that. So that was really a, a, a change. But uh, you you learn, and, and certainly I valued the evaluations. We had evaluated, uh, of course, every 
into the semester. In fact, I, uh, I, I took that to heart uh, because I really, I'm there for the students. I'm, you know, I'm not there for me. Whereas in Subway, I'm kind of there for me and my family and, and our community and certainly the employees, but you know, you're thinking profit first and, and uh, in many cases, and certainly when you get into education, it's, it's just a, a inverted pyramid. It's all about the students. And so I wanted to make sure that the students were gaining uh, information, knowledge, and certainly making it worthwhile for them to be in class. And, and uh, so you just, you just learn, I think, over a period of time of what they're interested in and what, and as you can probably tell through this podcast interview, I, I love to talk. And so that was probably one challenge for me that I had to not talk as much, but listen. But uh, what I always enjoyed, and, and, I, and again, I say this humbly, but I've, I've got some really good stories over 25 years of business and management and et cetera. And then every semester I could repeat those stories because you had new students. Now, my family has heard them multiple times. And even my son now, uh, five seconds into a story that that we've heard that. OK, go on. You know, oh, OK, OK, OK. But I didn't have that at Parkland. I could tell the same story every time and I'd get a kick out of it. And I hope the students did too. But one of the evaluations were always, they did enjoy, of course, you know, the textbooks aren't, the textbooks aren't gonna tell you about stories uh, and uh, they're gonna tell you about facts and uh, which is good. But uh, so that was, that was good. And, and I don't know, it was like, uh, you know, the more the merrier. If there were only 10 students in class, I was like, well, I still got to bring it every day. I got to bring my A game. But if there were 30 students in class where the room was full, I just fed off of it. I just loved it because, again, more interaction, uh, et cetera. And uh, it really made it fun and enjoyable. So, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned something I wanted to follow up on. So you were teaching full time during the COVID era. So what, what mm -hmm. was to suddenly transition from? Uh, you know, a classroom where you had those students in front of you to a computer screen where you were kind of, you know, you didn't have the 50-year-old sitting necessarily by the empty. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, parents could probably tell you better, uh, especially if you had a student in junior high or high school or even younger, but it was definitely challenging. It was different, uh, certainly for the students. Fortunately, looking back, uh, so that was 2020. When that kind of the spring of 2020, when that all happened, probably two or three years before that, uh, Parkland started pretty diligently looking at online opportunities, and even probably a little bit before that. So I was actually teaching before COVID. Uh, if I were teaching six classes a semester, three were on campus and three were online. So for me, going 100% online wasn't a big deal. For the students that had never taken an online class at that particular time, that it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And I always told students from the time Parkland started teaching online or offering online classes. And by the way, a little plug for Parkland, we actually started our, our online classes before the University of Illinois did. So we had some very innovative um, administration that saw the value and uh, saw the value of uh someone that wanted to, to get a college education, but was working full time or was was uh, a stay at home parent, uh, whatever, uh, you know, that opportunity. So, so, but I would say more so for the students than it was for most um, instructors 
uh, at uh, at Parkland, but definitely a struggle. And then certainly, uh, I think it was in the fall. I think we actually, if I remember right, 2020 spring, I think we actually kind of canceled through finals. And then uh, in the fall, I think we kind of went back, back and forth. And then the spring of 2021, it, Parkland was closed for that whole spring. And uh, of course, that's uh, affects enrollment. I think students were like, eh, I'm not comfortable teaching online because it's all reading and it's you. I think when students took an online class, they thought, oh, I can do this anytime I want. And that's true. But you still, I think you have to be more disciplined taking an online class, certainly, than just showing up and taking notes. So definitely, definitely a more challenge for the students and really for the administration at that point to make this thing work. So I'm glad it's over. Uh, I think there's still remnants of, and they probably will be for quite some time uh, of what we what we went through. And we were just talking, I actually had the opportunity of uh, uh, being with some fraternity brothers on a golf trip just the last couple of days. And we were just talking about the disappointment of the senior class in that 2020 and certainly 2021 that, uh, you know, in, in many cases that that memories of high school, I mean, there's probably a, a certain percent of people that never want to go back to high school, never want to go back to the reunion. But for those that have some really great high school memories, they don't, there's none, you know, they were home and, uh, you know, couldn't participate as you know, in the sports and even in that following season, what they try to do football in the spring. And, you know, yeah. they tried to squeeze in a few games and it was just, I'm just, you know, so glad that our children uh, were able to experience that whole, you know, uh, memory and, and, you know, lifeline, lifetime, you know, friendships and, and uh, that's unfortunate, but anyway, we got through it. And uh, my last semester or last year, we were all back on campus and I think things were fairly back to normal. So, yeah, I think I kind of left at a good time, but it was, uh, it was a very interesting two years, no question. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking today with Mark Kessler. Mark, before I let you go, uh, what's next for you? Do you have something else you're jumping into or are you just gonna be actually retired? Uh, I'm going to, I, I did say we all had a chance at the retirement party at Parkland, uh, of just talking five minutes or so. And, and of course, everybody just loved their time at Parkland. What a, what a, uh, a gym that we have right here in our own backyard in our community, certainly. Uh, but I will say since 1979, I've had a, except there, there was about a 18 month period where I was looking for something, but pretty much had a full-time job. Uh, since 79. And so I think those full-time days are over. Uh, so I'm very blessed to do that. I'm actually uh, have been involved with a group for a number of years, which is a Christian uh, business organization called Pinnacle Forum. And I represent East Central Illinois with that and uh, have just met some, just some great men and women in this, just our community through that. And I'm going to continue with that organization. Um opportunity to maybe do some things for your community that, uh, you know, I tried to stay involved in the community, certainly when we had a business in Muhammad, kind of got away from that a little bit with Parkland the years, but, you know, I, Muhammad's, I, I can't tell you, I, you know, I've never lived anywhere else, Fred, I don't think you have either, and it, I relate back to a, a, a show, the Andy Griffith show one time, and I think Barney maybe asked Andy, uh, 
why don't you go to Mount Pilot? Why do you always live in Mayberry? And his answer was, because I like it here. You know, why would I move? And I feel that way with Muhammad, uh, just a great community. Uh, it gets a little cold sometimes in February, but you know, two hours, you can be in Florida, but uh, I just love this community. And uh, so probably giving back a little bit more. Um, uh, opportunities always exist, you know, on those kind of things. So uh, yeah, so that's probably what I'll do from here on out and help uh, raise our, I've got a granddaughter that lives right next to me and uh, enjoying that. Uh, being a grandpa and uh, my daughter lives up in Geneva, Illinois, and we see them quite often. They have two children. So yeah, I think I'm going to do the the grand thing, grand grandpa, and uh, just to really enjoy family and friends. Yep. Well, you deserve it. No doubt about it. So <laughs> Mark, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. And I'm sure we will be in touch. That sounds great, Fred. Thanks.